Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We are talking all things GK Chesterton. Uh, is it Gilbert Keith? Gilbert Keith Chesterton. I think Gabe will correct me in a moment if I'm wrong. Um, but my very special guest for today needs no introduction. He is the co-founder of Theos University, Theos Seminary. He is the wizard behind the curtain of the Instagram account, Woke Jesus Christ, sort of <laughs> breaking woke Christians' hearts one meme at a time. And he is just a brilliant one. This is a Christian podcast, so we don't believe in reincarnation. But if we did, I think that (laughs) Thomas Aquinas, G.K. Chesterton and Leonard Ravenhill would have pulled their resources to Mm. come back as the man we now know as Gabriel Finocchio. So please make him feel welcome. (laughs) Gabe, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you for referencing that holy trinity of authors. My my the three men who have who have contributed the most to my uh my life. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, it's great. It's, to it's see. a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. And um before we get into GK Chesterton, do you want to tell us what's going on with your bookshelf <laughs> in the background? Times are tough in New York City. Yeah, well, that's pretty pretty much it. I uh I had to sell some stuff um mm-hmm. to, you know, feed my uh, addiction mm-hmm. of, um, well, just, you know, basically I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a workaholic, you know, and mm-hmm. basically I just, I spend so much time working on all of my experiments, uh, that I think are going to make it, uh, that I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> they never end up doing what, it. What is one of these just, experiments? Well, one of my experiments is um, trying to uh, find a way to uh, build a automated version of myself so that I don't have to do podcasts. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm currently Am I speaking working. to a robot right now? I mean, halfway through the conversation, the robot <laughs> is going to come in and we're going to see how that yeah. works. Yeah, Elon, this is a trial. Elon, yeah, I'm, I'm actually getting Elon Musk in on the deal and he's going to, you know, <laughs> He's going to help fund the research, but, um, but no, I basically, (laughs) the reason why I have no books is because I'm trying to be, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I'm trying to be Mm. a modern path. I'm trying to be a modern pastor and a a contemporary pastor, (laughs) all things to all men. So I just, I just got rid of all my books because the Lord was just like, it's not, it's not by knowledge, Gabe, that you're going to change the world. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, if it's just the power of the Holy Spirit, then, then yeah, I don't need to know anything. That's perfect. Thank you, God. Yeah. So the Lord just- I think I speak on behalf of all of us when I say you're an inspiration to us all. (laughs) I'm going to get rid of all of these. (laughs) Get rid of all those books. Actually, most of them, yeah, most of them probably should be gotten rid of. Uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at those titles and just shaking my head. But uh, but actually, no, I was uh, living in Allentown, Pennsylvania, the thriving mm-hmm. metropolis of the Lehigh Valley. And 
I uh, just recently moved within the last month to a little place uh, called New York City. And I don't think anyone's heard of it. Is it a nice place? It's you know what? It's it's a it's a hidden gem mm. uh, in the Western world. It's got world. character. <laughs> it's got potential is what potential. I say. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's a little rough around the edges, but we're trying mm. to fix it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, yeah, all my books are packed in boxes that I've, I'm not a logistics person in any way. And so mm. um, Chesterton and I would probably share that in common. And I just, I have to take one room at a time in my apartment. Mm. And so I don't have a lot of rooms in my apartment, but uh, I've been working on my bedroom and my living room and my kitchen. And now I'm trying to work on my office here. And so I have so far only been able to put two books on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Two very important books. <laughs> two very important books. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, it, all that to say, yeah, I'm in the middle of, working on my office and putting all my books in <laughs> and I just haven't been able to get to it. Literally it's been insane. So uh, p- please pray for me. And yeah. um, next time I'm on your podcast, yeah. it will be, it'll be glorious. It'll be a Absolutely. sight to Absolutely. So, it'll be a miracle. Yeah. We'll be testifying of the goodness of God. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so good to have you with us. You are obviously a very well-read Chestertonian scholar, some might say. So I'm so excited to have you share about Chesterton and I just sort of want to get out of your way. But if you could give us a little bit of an introduction to who Chesterton is, what was his background, um, what sort of formed this guy? Why did he end up doing what he did? Right. So, yeah, um, it's an interesting thing because I think, is it May 29th there in Australia? Yeah. I don't know when this podcast is actually being released. I know you haven't actually. It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. Okay. I don't even well, know. <laughs> for the folks, for the folks at, at at home who are watching this, we're recording in 20, this in twenty fifty. We are we are we are uh, <laughs> providentially record recording this mm-hmm. on May twenty May twenty ninth, uh-huh. uh, two thousand twenty one, and it's interesting because G.K. Chesterton was born. On <gasps> May 29th. No. Ni- uh, 1874. That is so, pretty cool. <laughs> isn't that interesting? He was, we yeah. are recording this on the day he was born. Yeah. So happy birthday, GK Chesterton. Yep. And thank you, thank Holy you. Spirit, for leading thank us. <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit, for the immaculate, the immaculate conception <laughs> yeah. of GK Chesterton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our Lord and Savior. No. Um, well, not quite. My, my Lord and Savior. Um, Your Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> I need a lot of help. I need Jesus mm. plus Ch- Chesterton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so all, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. Chesterton, uh, as I said, was born in 1874. That's probably the only date that I'm going to remember here. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> let's be honest here. Um <laughs> No, uh, Winston Churchill was also interestingly born in that same year. I believe Winston wow. Churchill, yeah, was born in in, in uh, November of that year, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken. He must but, have lived um, a lot longer. Than well, 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 naturally, it's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. They, they they were the same age. So 
So, so Winston Churchill, I think he lived to be 95. He died in mm-hmm. the fifties, in the mid fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chesterton died in 1936. Crazy. So it is kind of crazy. Uh, they both smoked like chimneys and mm-hmm. uh, they were both, you know, na- notoriously unhealthy in their habits. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it just, it is what it is, you know, mm-hmm. Um and uh, Chesterton got the short end of the stick. He did. Um, some would but, say. He probably some, wouldn't say that. <laughs> some would say. Well, he he did have, he also had a walking stick, so he would probably beat me over the head with that short end <laughs> But um, for saying that. But yeah, Chesterton, you know, uh, G.K. Chesterton was, he was, you know, an Englishman to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... He was uh, he went to a a, a boys school uh, St. Paul's in the 1880s um, and 1890s, and then he went to uh, an art school, uh, the Slade Art School, and um, he he was uh, a part of a debating club in high school, and he was actually the president of the debating <laughs> society in of course in high school naturally right <laughs> yeah and. Uh, so he, you know, was raised in a um, in an environment that was quasi intellectual. Um, mm-hmm. His father, his father had a library and would lo- lo- loan him books. And um, he he actually, you know, Chesterton was, um, as I said, he was an artist. He went to mm-hmm. uh, the Slade Art School, and he was he wanted to be a, a painter. During at one wow. time, yeah, he wanted to be someone who you know just did caricatures and and paintings, and um, as did Hitler. Fun fact: <laughs> as did Hitler, and uh, that is where that is where Chesterton. That is the only correlation between the two. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, Chesterton. We, we can get into this elsewhere, but Chesterton mm. actually did. Um, sympathize with certain forms of fascism, although Crazy. he would have he would have said that Hitler uh, was a parody of fascism, wow. and that that yeah. So he he actually did not he did not till his dying breath acknowledge that hit that Nazi Germany was proper fascist uh, in 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 the in the notion of fascism, uh, mm-hmm. and and as it pertains to nationalism. He thought that Ch- uh, Hitler was not a nationalist um, any more than a man who runs off with every other woman he sees is a married man. So the idea for him is that nationalism was something where you are committed to one country and not invading Poland and all these yeah, other countries yeah. and, and Austria and all these other hmm. other countries in order to prove your nationalism. If fascism was a nationalist movement, cl- clearly Hitler was not a nationalist or a fascist. So anyways, that's, that is, that is, we can save that for later, but um, <laughs> yeah. well, we actually didn't, but it is what we it didn't. is. So it's so, right in there. It's not it's getting right cut. In, it's there. It's not this getting is a cut. budget podcast. Everything. Uncensored. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, Chesterton uh, went through uh, the Slade art school and then uh, he only lasted, I think a year in, in that environment. And then I think he dropped out. So he was a college dropout. And then he, he just, I think he just got bored or he just 
felt a change and he wanted to do something else. And so he got a job at a publisher's office mm. and um, he began working there. And then he began writing. He began writing uh, reviews of books. And then the reviews were so good that he began mm. to be get offers to write little blurbs, little essays in uh, various periodicals and newspapers. And then he landed a, he landed a sweet gig uh, writing for a major newspaper called the daily news. And, uh, and then that basically launched him into the stratosphere as a, as an essayist. And then he Mm -hmm. began to write um, small uh, biographies of men who uh, literary men um, like Robert Browning, um, and Charles Dickens, men who had influenced him uh, as a writer and as a thinker. And so, and he really did that all his life. You know, it's interesting that Chesterton, for me, has had such a profound impact upon my thought and philosophy mm-hmm. of life. But Chesterton himself uh, constantly wrote biographies of men who influenced him. Yeah, and so amazing. and yeah, and so mm-hmm. I think he he wrote probably fifteen biographies of, of different men, um, Robert Louis Stevenson and Chaucer, and um, he was going to write one on Shakespeare, um, uh, un- but unfortunately he died before that was finished. But you know the idea here is he he wrote on Saint Francis of Assisi and mm-hmm. uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas, uh, so he was a he was a uh, a man. Who, who didn't stand on his own two feet, but a man who stood on the shoulders of the men who went before him mm. and, and made that very, very uh, well known through his, his writing. Mm-hmm. But, but in the sense that he wrote on these men, it gave him the opportunity to also show people that he had a couple things to say, uh, yeah. that, he, that he, he not only borrowed, but he paid back. And so... Uh, he paid back in in a plentiful way uh, because he he ended up writing I think around five thousand essays Crazy. upwards wow. upwards of of five thousand essays I mean and that's just essays not even books right right that's not even books right so yeah. he I think he he wrote over a hundred books um, five five thousand essays as I said and then like uh, he wrote poetry he wrote. Um, uh, two huge poems, epic poems, um, which mm. which epic epic poetry really doesn't exist anymore um, as a form of literature. <laughs> as a form of literature, it just doesn't. It it <laughs> it's been abandoned. Like we're just we're too dumb. We're actually too dumb to write epic poetry. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote this uh, poem called the Ballad of the White Horse, mm. and it's a story poem. And um, just like Dante's Divine Comedy is a story poem. Chesterton's is the story of Alfred the Great uh, uh, and, and his battle against the Danes. And, um, and then he wrote another epic poem uh, called Lepanto, which is the battle of uh, Lepanto, uh, where the, the, <laughs> the, this, this armada uh, fought against uh, the Turks and wow. uh, in, in the 16th century. So, so basically, you know, um, you have you have you know a man who really, in any field, whether it be 
poetry or prose or 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 fiction he wrote novels uh mm. he 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 wrote probably gosh i think you know i want to say eight novels or nine novels wow. he wrote he wrote plays i think he wrote four <laughs> or five plays <laughs> crazy uh yeah um uh somewhat reluctantly uh, i think it was george bernard shaw who encouraged him to start writing plays. I was going to say, were they commissioned? Was he doing it for the money or was he doing he, it he because was, he actually wanted to see well, people I think, run around? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he, he, um, he you know, it was somewhat similar to the Inklings, you know, um, mm-hmm. your, your, your podcast is, is, you know, this Inkling podcast. And in, in that Inkling uh, spirit, you know, they were all encouraging each other to write. Mm. And so I think George Bernard Shaw, he had a relationship with George Bernard Shaw, a friendship uh, that was literary. And, uh, you know, he wrote, he actually wrote a biography on Shaw. And um, yeah. And I think Shaw Shaw was alive, right? While Shaw was alive in 1908, (laughs) I think. And, And I think, I think Shaw said, I think Shaw said that it was the 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 best thing that had ever been written about him that he he didn't write. Aww. Um, <laughs> little little a little uh, you know peek into Shaw's attitude towards mm. uh, things, but he uh, Chesterton was encouraged by a lot of his his friends to write, and so um, that really spurred him on. But he, as I said, he was a master really of you know it's it's interesting because some people have said that he wasn't you know he had he had no masterpiece which i totally disagree with but um wow yeah why some would, people why have, would they say that like just because leveled all that of criticism. his work is good or or because there's nothing that stands out it's 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 because i think everything he did was so good that it's hard mm. to it's hard to point to one thing and focus mm-hmm. on it because as soon as you take a book like Orthodoxy, which I consider to be a masterpiece, one of mm. his masterpieces, um, you you can turn to his 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 epic poetry and and mm. you know the Ballad of the White Horse is such is such a, an incredible poem that it inspired J.R. Tolkien to write the Lord of the Rings. If you look right. at the Lord, if you look at at the 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 Ballad of the White Horse. Mm. Along with the Lord of the Rings, they the, the they're so similar, even in their storyline, uh, wow. and, the, and the characters that come in, and um, mm. so it's just uh, Chesterton was he and he he famously wrote a biography on Saint Thomas Aquinas, and uh, a, a, a a Thomistic scholar Etienne Gilson uh, wrote that he 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 it was the best biography on St. Thomas that he'd ever read. And he was, a, he wow. was a Thomist, he was a Thomistic philosopher. Amazing. So, and yeah. Chesterton, a, a college dropout, an art school dropout. <laughs> an art school dropout. You know, so, so he was, he was an amateur at everything he mm. did, but he, he, he did it well. He did it well as mm. though he was a master. Mm. And so, yeah. So really what that points to is is simply the gift that God gave him. Uh, yeah, okay. God God gave Chesterton an incredible gift of wisdom and wit mm. uh, combined together so that um, he was able to see things with um, a perspicuity, a, a, uh, a knowledge 
that and an understanding that that most people don't have, but also express things in a way that mm. most people can't. And so yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's where he turns into the aphorist, you know, that we all mm-hmm. love and, and in the, and comes up with these pithy sayings that are just incredible and memorable and things that we want to, you know, get tattooed on our foreheads. Absolutely. So. Do you have any uh, Chesterton quotes tattooed on your body? On my forehead? Clearly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I do not have any Chesterton tattoos, uh, but um I've thought about getting them. I just don't want to, I, I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to um, mark up this beautiful um, mm. temp- temple. The you temple don't want to be a pagan, really? I don't want to be a you're... pagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, to be honest with you, like I, the Holy Spirit just told me to get a bunch of Greek and Hebrew tattoos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agape. So agape. I got, I, I got agape on this. <laughs> arm yeah. and then i got um a grace in hebrew on wow. this arm yeah and, Amazing. Um, and basically between the two of them there's just no more room left so yeah, fair enough uh, you know you've covered just, all bases i've covered all my bases it's like what <laughs> else do i need i got angel wings on the back on my back <laughs> angel wings. <laughs> you know yeah. i got a i got a moped on my chest so Brilliant. it's just like what else do i need yeah yeah so, absolutely yeah. Not a St. George and the Dragon. That would be a great tattoo. Oh, it would be amazing. Not that yeah. I like tattoos, but it would be it would be a cool one. It's sort of in this like that that vibe that we're going for for our podcast. Um, it's like that esque. Yeah, there's there's actually a um, I think I forget who who um, I think it may have been Christopher or Michael Derrick. Michael Derrick was a um, a uh, caricaturist and he uh, and also an artist himself and he uh, I think caricatured Chesterton as uh, you know St. George on no. a, as a knight errant yeah this That's huge cool. huge fat guy weighing three, <laughs> 400 breaking pounds breaking the horse breaking the horse in half <laughs> you know plunging his uh his uh, spear into the dragon. So uh, that was, that's really funny. And mm. uh, it, that exists a somewhere. Tattoo to get. Yeah. That would be a cool tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Cool if t- anyone Chesterton watching tattoo. wants to get a tattoo and they want that some one. street cred. Yeah. Chesterton street cred. Um, Look it up. Very cool. Um, maybe just a little bit more on his spiritual formation. I know Chesterton sort of had a bit of a spiritual journey that eventually led him to sort of, cross the Tiber and like become a Catholic. Right. Um, so can you explain a little bit of his spiritual journey to us? Like, why did he end up there? Yeah. So his spiritual journey is interesting. Gosh, where to begin? He, I I think he would have described himself as, uh, as a kind of agnostic growing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was raised in a Unitarian home but he was interestingly baptized in an Anglican church. So mm. that was, that was, that's funny. I think he, in his autobiography, which yeah, he wrote an autobiography of himself a year before. <laughs> of course, naturally. I think the year, the year that <laughs> interestingly, you know, as, as, as fate would have it, as God would have it, he wrote the autobiography the day, the, the year he died. And Crazy. I think it, it, it came out, it was released just after his death. It's like, well, wow. here you go. I'm ready yeah. to die. 
He's like, no one's going to do a better job than me. May <laughs> exactly. As, may, may as well do it. Yeah. And so he, in his autobiography, I think he said that it, he was baptized next to a water tower because it took all the water in in wherever it was that he was baptized to turn him into a Christian or something like that. <laughs> all the holy water. So, um, so basically... He was raised, um, you know, not with a particular penchant or passion for Christianity, but in his youth, he just, he did deal with, um, he dealt with depression in his youth. Uh, he dealt with suicidal ideation. Wow. Um, yeah, he, he, there were, there was a spell, uh, that he had, um, in his life that was very dark, and um, he began, I think he began to experiment with um, Ouija boards. No and, way. Yeah. And, and get into kind of darker themes. Yeah. And darker spiritual uh, issues. And, and then I think what happened was he met a, a beautiful woman who he fell <laughs> in love with. <laughs> and he, he convinced uh, him to be an Anglican, right? I think it was kind of a flirt to convert situation. <laughs> where, that we fully endorse here. At the yeah, <laughs> where he, he, yeah, exactly. We fully endorse it. And basically uh, the, the, the lady he met was named Francis and she, uh, you know, he himself uh, wrote to her, I think the, just after they were married or maybe during his proposal, he wrote a letter and he just said, you were the one that showed me, you led me to the cross, essentially. Yeah, wow. And so um, Francis, yeah, Ch- Francis Chesterton, uh, I think her, her last name was Blogg, um, B-L-O-G-G. And um, she, yeah, converted him to Christianity. And she was an Anglican and I believe came from a staunch Anglican home. And so... She, um, she, yeah, you know, they were married in the Church of England, and so he became a. a he, I think, he became a, um, a, a fully devoted Christian while they were dating and engaged mm-hmm. uh, in the late nineties, eighteen nineties, and then and then that is the eighteen nineties. Just for the cl- clarification, yeah. yeah, and then he uh, he began to immediately write on Christianity and you can sense, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the switch into Christian mm-hmm. themes um, is very drastic in wow. his, in his first essays. Um, he wrote uh, a number of essays for a small uh, periodical called the speaker. And so mm-hmm. in those essays, you can s- clearly see, you know, he's, he's had an encounter with, the Christian faith and encounter with Christ. And he, he believed sincerely. And then he began to, as he, as was his custom, he began to defend his faith (laughs) immediately, almost immediately. And he would get into fighter, isn't he? He really was. Yeah. Take anyone down for any reason, die on any hill. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, so this is an interesting point because Chesterton, he, he was a lover Many times, many times we, we uh, juxtapose lovers and fighters and mm-hmm. we say, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I'm a lover, not a fighter, you know, and mm-hmm. 
Chesterton didn't see that as a proper, he saw, he would have seen that as a false dichotomy. Mm, Chesterton, Chesterton was a fighter because he was a lover. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and he famously said that, you know, if you're, if you don't love something, you don't, if you don't fight for something, you don't love it. Yeah, um, so good. Things, the things that you love are the things that you defend. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's actually true for most people. I think that's actually just, a, it's, 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 it seems as though it's profound and it, it is, but it's also a piece of common sense. Yeah. If you look at the, if you look at the people in our world, who are fighting for any any reason? Who are arguing on Facebook? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who are who who are who are you know even the... all the Sharons and the Karens, but <laughs> yeah. also all the people who are fighting in the Middle Middle East. Uh, uh, the, the the people who mm. are involved involved in cancel culture. The, mm-hmm. Every single person has something that they love that they're trying to fight for. Yeah, and. Right. That doesn't mean now, that doesn't mean that the thing they love is right and good mm-hmm. and, and true because men can love darkness. Mm-hmm. As Jesus himself said in John chapter three, men, men love darkness rather than light. But the idea here is um, the reason, the thing that causes people to defend things and fight for things is, is, is there a devotion to them. Yeah. And so he was devoted to Christ and devoted to Christianity and Christendom. And he, he fought for and defended those things mm, and so rightly and rightly so. And I think, mm. I think that's, that's why the, the Bible tells us to, to fight for our faith, Absolutely. to fight, to, to actually yeah. fight the, the good fight of faith so um, and to defend ourselves from the world, the flesh and the devil and mm. to defend ourselves from error and uh, falsehood and heresy. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the church mm-hmm. historically has called itself a church militant because mm-hmm. it is defending the faith that was once handed yeah. down and can, can, as Jude says, yeah. Contend, yeah. contending contend for the faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, once so handed down to you from the apostles. Like. Y- yeah. So when there's, when people accuse you of being contentious, just say, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course I'm being, I'm, yeah. Of course, I'm being contentious. That's I'm because being I'm biblical. a better Christian than you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a biblical Christian, and biblical Christians contend for their faith. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, sorry. Do you have something else that you want to say on that? Well, just yeah. His 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 development as a Christian, really briefly, was you know through his wife, obviously, and then he began to defend his faith and and got better and better and better at it as mm. as anybody does who, who works at something, uh, you know, his swordsmanship grew, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in its, in its capacity and agility and ability. And he, uh, eventually in 1907, 1908 wrote, uh, a wonderful apologetic called orthodoxy. And this established him as an official Christian apologist. This, wow. this put him on the map as mm. an apologist of the Christian faith. Um, and and really gave this breath of fresh air mm. to all the apologists that were already in battle against the modern world, against secularism, against humanism, against all the isms of uh, that were attacking the the, the Christian mm. faith and trying to uproot it. And so he he began to continue. Uh, he began to write more 
um, on that. He, he, he wrote famously um, the everlasting man, which CS Lewis called the the best apologetic that he had ever read. So, so Chesterton began to write as an apologist. Didn't it? Because well, he read he read Chesterton before he was a Christian, I think. Yes, so he would have. Yeah, he would have. Certainly, the arguments within the book uh, were the arguments that Tolkien used to help convert Chesterton, or yeah. to help to help convert Lewis. Lewis they were yeah. the they were they were identical arguments based on the nature of myth mm. and the, the the fact that Jesus was the true myth. Uh, the mm. fulfillment of that that myth All that stories, we see yeah. those those themes, yeah, and so yeah. so yeah, so the arguments are fi- are found in that book. But Chesterton, as he began to defend the faith, was more and more and more attracted to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. uh, because he did see in the Catholic Church at that time a church that was uh, that was historically ready and willing to defend Christianity. And uh, as he put it, you know, march in the same direction, Mm. uh, you know, and not, not, you know, you know, completely scattered all over the place, like many Protestant churches are uh, scattered and scatterbrained. Um, And especially at that time, like that was when that was all sort of coming out, right. In the Protestant church. Well, yeah, at at that time there wasn't such a breach. Mm. Um, and you know, modernism hadn't made the the same sort of you know serious inroads into mm-hmm. Protestantism, but but certainly not into Catholicism, uh, because you know, as you know, Vatican II, the Vatican II Council mm-hmm. in the 1960s really changed uh, the, the 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 Catholic approach, which Chesterton probably would not have approved of, in my opinion, um, mm. because because in my opinion. Vatican II made the made the Catholic Church less militant <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> and, wow. and and more mushy, more embracing. Yeah, 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 and True. and more you know more 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 uh, you know uh, ready to to make a truce mm. and ra- rather than defend the truth. And so, I think Chesterton would have um, you know had thoughts on that. But all that to say, yeah, he he did eventually uh, become a Catholic. And for various reasons, and he he famously said, um, "I'm a Catholic. I, I, I'm a Catholic. The, the reason why I'm a Catholic is because there are ten thousand reasons uh, that that all point to one reason, and that is that the that the, that Catholicism is true. And so that's that's the way he really defended it. He became a defender not only mm-hmm. of Christianity but also of Catholicism. So mm-hmm. he was he was he was. I would look at him as that dual apologist of." He was an apologist for ancient, historic, orthodox, traditional Christianity, but also an apologist for the Catholic Church. So, yeah. you know, so so the, the people who love him on, on the first half might not like him on the second half. Um, but, you know, it, it's there's there's a dual thing going on. In, yeah, in totally. Writings. So, yeah. Very good. All right. So we've already talked a little bit about some of his big works, but could you tell us a little bit about um, why we need to know Chesterton today? How does he speak to our culture? How does he speak to our world in the 21st century? And then also what are some big works of writing, some books that you think people uh, watching this podcast should really get into? Yeah, those are great questions. I think, gosh, I do think that 
people need to, you know, really what I've just said kind of uh, was leading up to this because I think that people need to learn uh, how to defend their faith. Mm, um, yeah, well. And, and, and the, the first thing I'll say on that is this. You don't have a conviction unless you're convinced of what you mm. believe. Convictions come from being convinced. Mm-hmm. But you can't defend something unless you have you hold it as a conviction. Mm-hmm. You you can't defend it unless you love it, and 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 us, unless there is a deep attachment to it, unless there's a deep devotion to your faith, you can't defend it properly. And so there must be first a love for God that motivates mm-hmm. us, a love for Christ, a love for Christianity, a love for Christendom, a love for the things that God has given us as an inheritance. As a Christian civilization, we should we should say these are the fruits of mm. our faith, and we we are we are ready to defend these things. It, there's an order to the defense. There's an order to it, but <clears throat> we should. Chesterton is an inspiration for people who want to think deeply about their faith, who want to mm. who want to be the kind of apologist that holds. His the truths as convictions because mm. they are convinced of those truths. There are yeah, a lot of the the, the, fir, the there's there's a, a popular type of apologist. There's a popular type of Christian apologist who really just says things in a way that's fancy and also in a way that's knowledgeable uh, and and sort of informed, but doesn't say them in a way that is earnest and zealous and passionate and and really uh, can in a way that is 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 um, convicting. <laughs> there there are so many Christian apologists that don't inspire. Yeah, and ch- <laughs> they don't. They're boring. Yeah. They're it's boring, true. and they're nobody. I wouldn't. Li- I don't listen to them. I don't, I don't even listen. listen. I'm a, I'm a Christian and I don't yeah. listen to them. Yeah. And, and and why is that? They because they don't inspire me. If they're not going to inspire me as mm-hmm. a Christian, why would they inspire the world? Why would yeah. they reach the world if they're not going to reach me even a person like me? So, mm-hmm. I would just say that Chesterton was not that type of pop uh, uh, you know, jaded apologist. I would call them the jaded apologist only because We've seen that these these apologists. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but but you, know, they, <laughs> you can they, if you want. They they. they I mean, <laughs> there's and, no and rules at this podcast. <laughs> all I'm saying is is that you know they die and then they die and then scandal breaks out <laughs> after afterwards, and it's like it's it's. I'm just saying it's it's like what we what we what we don't need is what we don't need is more men who or women who go into battle. Um, who, who, or I should say this, who, who go into town and <laughs> are talking to the Christians as mm-hmm. apologists, uh, like knights who have never been to battle. Yeah. Wow. And they're showing off their shiny armor and they're, they're, mm. they're, they're, they're showing all their fancy sword work, all of which doesn't work in battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Because they've never, they've never actually fought in battle against other, against foes. Do you and, know who's and, not like that? John Lennox. He's amazing. Yes, I really enjoy John Lennox. Mm. Um, yeah, and he, he does he, go into battle. I think right, that's part of what so, makes him brilliant. 
Right. So engagement. So I think that a lot of, so Chesterton is, Chesterton is an inspiration for people who are going to engage their world. Mm, you see, yeah, you, well. you have to, you have to engage your culture. If you're going to win it, mm, you have to okay. show your, you have to actually show your culture that, that you have the answers mm. and, and you have to, you have to go into battle. It can't, it can't just be a tournament all day. It can't just be, yeah. you know, an echo chamber. I mean, I, I, I'm, I should say this because I actually don't want to get into the whole echo chamber thing because that's actually <laughs> there's actually a better way of saying that. But what I mean by echo chamber is what I just described, this mm -hmm. kind of tur tournament style Christian mm -hmm. apologetics where really yeah. we're just we're just convincing ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're not actually, we're actually convincing anybody else. We're just playing. We're, we're we're just preaching to the choir all the time, and we're never really going into battle and rubbing shoulders with people who genuinely challenge our ideas and and yeah, and ge and genuinely, you know, risk, uh, you know, the 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 potential of losing a debate mm -hmm. or losing an argument. And there are so many Christians who a don't don't like arguing or b don't know how to argue. Um, and, and they, they think that, you know, we're just going to win the day by fresh air and sunshine. And that's just not <laughs> how it's going to work. Lollipops, that's not and how it's Lollipops and rainbows isn't going to win the day. You actually have to engage. You have yeah, to go right. and, 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 um, you have to fight the good fight of faith by defending it and, and knowing what you believe and having an answer. The yeah. world is the world is looking for an answer, and yes, Jesus is the answer. But it's 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 way more complicated than that. It's not just <laughs> like it's 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 way more complicated than that. Why? Because life is more complicated. It's like, you know, getting married is a simple thing, but actually, what happens when you get after you get married? It's like, yeah, you gotta you gotta figure out where you're gonna live. You gotta figure out how you're gonna make it work. You gotta figure out, you know, are am I gonna let my wife have my access to my bank account? Absolutely not. You know, um, <laughs> no. But it's like you have to figure out all the details and the complexity of what married married life looks like or what family life looks like. It's, it's, it's easier said than done. And all I'm saying is that, you know, we, we, we have to, Chesterton is an inspiration for mm. people who want to engage thoughtfully, yeah. thoughtfully, and not in this pop way, this, this kind of, um, as I, you know, I, I, as I said earlier, just pointing to guys who, who are superficial in their apologetics, mm. guys who just give you something that doesn't really, you don't even know what they're talking about, but you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm it sounded good. You know? Yeah. It sounds intelligent. Like, what does that even mean? You know, <laughs> there, there are so many, there are so many Christian apologists that after mm. they're done talking, I'm like, what did you just say? Genuinely? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? You know? And, and, and so you have to, the beautiful thing about Chesterton is that the man wrote a hundred years ago, but it's literally as though he just finished writing yesterday, you know, wow. and his, his, the way he communicates is so crystal clear, but so uh, uh, piercing and, mm -hmm. and, and convincing, convincing mm -hmm. that, that it, he, he converts people. I mean, the man converted CS Lewis. Crazy. So it's like, you know, you're, you're so, and, and that's the thing is that we look at C.S. Lewis as this, you know, e evangelical saint and uh, the patron saint of evangelical 
yeah, apologetics. <laughs> and and that's fine. That's great. But he he was deeply and greatly mm. influenced by Chesterton. And he said so himself in yeah, his absolutely. autobiography. It was right. like, yeah, Chesterton, George MacDonald, and who else? Um, Chesterton. I mean, there was there were a number of people um, who who influenced him. I feel like um, he had three big ones. I just can't remember uh, the third. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to think myself on. Uh, I, well, definitely he he gave a list uh, of books that influenced him, and George Herbert, uh, his poetry was there. Yeah. Uh, but he he also he you know he he read Richard Hooker. Um, who was a, you know, Elizabethan theologian. And um, so he, Lewis was deeply rooted in Christian history. He Mm -hmm. would have read uh, Thomas Aquinas. He would have read, but also just, you know, the men of his day who, who he engaged with, he would have read, you know, he was widely read, but again, Lewis pointed to Chesterton as a man who, as he said, immediately made a conquest of his mind. Yes. And, 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 and just, he, he, he loved reading him, but also you can see how Chesterton was such a profound influence on the fact that Lewis himself became, he inspired Mm. Lewis to become an apologist himself. And, 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 and that's what, that's what I think. I think we need, Mm. Uh, men and women who are going to rise up to the challenge of of genuine engagement and yeah, and so going going outside of the four walls of the church going outside of the four walls of the uni- of the christian universities going outside mm. of the four walls and taking it to the streets taking it to secular arenas and doing yeah. battle and chesterton chesterton all throughout his life debated any any anybody who wanted to debate like literally he would just say okay he, he would he would he would be like i'm open for all debaters yeah. you know those free and, hug sign people is like yeah free debates. yeah exactly free debates that was just that was chesterton he would literally debate you about anything on anything and he would relate it to christianity in such a wonderful Amazing. way that people would all the time people would come out of his debates and they'd be they they would be like you know asking in poll numbers who won the debate and chesterton would always destroy his <laughs> opponents now he wouldn't destroy his opponents in a spirit of malice hmm. but he would he would he would do so in a spirit of love uh and a spirit a spirit of joy and 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 he would crack jokes and and it would be fun hmm. but he would do, deal with their arguments and and take them head on and hmm. so he was not afraid of engagement and yeah. so he's really an ex, an exemplar of a of of a christian means by which we can engage the world and so i think that you know as people who care about truth who care about uh reaching people with truth and showing how wonderfully reasonable christianity actually mm-hmm. is and 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 showing people that we're you know we're not just fo- like following blindly and our faith mm. is not is our faith is not disconnected from our reason, but yeah. is actually intertwined with it. Chesterton mm. is that guy to 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 show us that. So, um, very cool. I would recommend, in terms of books, to answer your second question, I would recommend um, certainly Orthodoxy, which is mm-hmm. 
that book will blow your mind. Uh, yeah. if, if, if you read literally. that book, it will, yes, literally. I don't think it fit in my mind. I remember the first time I ever read it. It's like, I'm quite short, right? And, um, you know, as a short person, you know what it's like to try and like reach up to the top shelf and not be yeah. able to get it. I feel like every thought that Chesterton ever presented, it's like, I can't quite reach it. I have no right. idea what he's saying here. It takes yeah. a while to get it down. Yeah, I think John Piper, um, who, you know, is a great theologian himself, great Bible, Bible teacher, he said that, Orthodoxy is the only book outside of the Bible that he's read twice. <laughs> and 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 if it's if it's if it's that powerful to get yeah. John Piper exactly. to read twice, then to I read think a Catholic's we, book twice. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Chesterton actually didn't become a Catholic until 1922, I believe, and that oh, okay. book was written in 1908. But certainly, it was small C Catholic in the sense that mm. it was defending. It was defending the ancient apostles' creed um, as as it pertains to you know the meaning of the gospel, and and you know essentially what Christianity is all about. Um, you know, so I would recommend that book. That 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 is a profound book, and yeah. uh, your brain will need stitches. And yeah. and then and then uh, and your 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 stomach will need stitches too because you'll be laughing many times through it. Yeah, he's so. He, he's, he's, so funny. he's such a humorist. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was just, uh, um, I was going to get you to sort of bring that out a little bit because it was, he called like the prophet of joy or like the apostle of joy or something to do with like, he was a guy of joy. I don't know what we've called him like now retrospectively. Um, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about his sort of like childlike engagement with the world, how he like sort of just marveled at creation and, and the world around him and, and his like, um, default to to be a person of joy yeah i mean chesterton looked at life uh as a as a as a gift um as something that was that was given to us out of the mercy of god Mm. um something that was was given to us that we didn't deserve and in that sense life itself for Chesterton was like a gospel. It was mm-hmm. like a, the first gospel, you know, uh, the, the, or the prequel or the, um, the prerequisite gospel to the gospel mm-hmm. and, or the preface to the gospel. And so Chesterton had this, this kind of love for life that mm-hmm. was, that was, that just, it just, it really caused him to contemplate, all of life. It, it mm. caused him to think about everything it, as an integrated whole. And, um, and really it caused him to be appreciative of everything. And so you, you find this, this gratitude in Chesterton's writing uh, where he's writing from an approach that is so um, peaceful uh, mm. that it leads to joy and I, I really do believe that 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 that's a biblical approach because in Romans, I think it's chapter fourteen, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, yeah. and joy in the mm. Holy Spirit. And okay. um, and so I think that righteousness leads to peace, yeah, and then peace leads to joy. 
So good. I love and, that. And, and so Ch- Chesterton was 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 defending righteousness. Mm-hmm. He was he was writing from a righteous perspective, mm-hmm. trying to make things right in the universe, right in 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 his society. And that led to this peace in his in his writing. But that mm-hmm. peace in his writing led finally culminated in a joy. And he was just, he was a joyful person. And he, yeah. he, he was full of the Holy Spirit because you see the fruit of the Spirit in his life. And, you know, he loved people. He cared for people. His goal was to help people and do good for people, which is mm-hmm. why he, in my opinion, he had so many, he actually had so many of his, his opponents across the platform in his debates were actually friends off stage and just, and, and, and he had this wonderful way of, 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 of putting it that an argument or a core or the problem with a quarrel is that it always interrupts an argument. And so (laughs) for him, he wasn't trying to quarrel with people. He was trying Mm. to argue against bad ideas that had infected, Mm. infected people. And so in that sense, a doctor is not trying to, uh, hurt a person. He's trying to heal a person, a person who's been infected with a with a disease, perhaps. But yeah. but out of a love for a person, he's trying to deal with the disease and keep mm-hmm. that person alive. And so Chesterton had friends. Um, he 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 made friends with his with his you know opponents because he didn't see them as enemies. He saw them simply as opponents. And yeah, just because wow. they were a, just because they were an opponent doesn't mean that they were an enemy. And mm. so he, he was able to make these wonderful distinctions that I think are just small, little distinctions, but they're the kind of things that are hinges upon a door. That if if yeah. if, if you place that hinge there, the door works, and and it, mm. it actually gives you access into people's lives once wow. they know that you love them, once they know mm. that you genuinely have their best interests at heart, yeah. then then they're willing to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, so all that to say, Chesterton exuded the joy of the Holy Spirit. He was a mm-hmm. joyful person. Totally, totally. That's awesome, Gabe. Um, do you have any favorite quotes or any quotes that um, Chesterton is well known for that you want to share with us? Yeah. Uh, gosh, man, there are so many. I actually have like a, a treasure trove of them. Um, can you still can you still see me? Yep. Okay, great. So I've pulled up just a little word document here with a bunch of quotes. Um, <laughs> so one of one of my favorites is um, this quote. Uh, he said, "God is not a symbol of goodness. Goodness is a symbol of God." Wow. I mean, that's just like one of those things that makes you like, wow, okay, this is a deep, deep thing. And it means, <laughs> yeah. and it, and, but it means, it means so much because goodness, all things, you know, God, in, in the beginning, uh, it says that God created everything and said that it was good. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at creation, it causes us to realize that creation itself points us to the creator. And as we, as we, we, that, that main, that means that we can actually appreciate creation without causing it to become an idol, without causing it to become, you know, w- without being Puritans, if I, if, if, I, if I can say that, you know, because, you know, Puritans, all, we're always, you know, obsessed with idolatry. 
and it caused them it caused them to in my opinion treat creation uh in a, in an improper way and regard it mm-hmm. regard it in an improper way but if we actually look at this quote it opens our eyes to the nature of the world around us that we can appreciate all the good things in life mm-hmm. because they will they point us to the good to the ultimate good which is yeah. god Beautiful. and so because and, and so many so many people either live for this life and everything is about this life and they don't see that that that, that this life is a symbol mm-hmm. of the substance ultimately of god or they they go the opposite route and they mm. they only have God and no sub no symbols and so mm-hmm. it's Chesterton br- brilliantly um, takes care of that in that quote um, you know he, he has a bunch of, of of quotes on education I'll read one he says public education has not produced an educated public <laughs> <laughs> I love that so one true. Yeah. And, it's, and, and again, I just said, I, well, I said to you early, early on that so much of what he wrote um, feels like he had just written it yesterday. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you read that, if you read that today, you'd be like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what he wrote a hundred years ago has actually only grown truer with yeah. time, with the passing mm-hmm. of time. And in that sense, Chesterton was really a prophet. Um, not simply an apologist, but also a prophet. I mean, Chesterton was so many things. I have a course. I don't know how many people are going to be watching this who are subscribed to Theosu, but <laughs> I have I have a course on Theosu, uh, Theosu.ca. It's a course on G.K. Chesterton where wow. I go th- where I go through. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a six hour course on G.K. Chesterton. So, so if you you want to drink from the Chesterton fire hose? Uh, I've provided one there. It's, and it's brilliant. Six- I've actually watched the whole thing. Oh, have you? Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it ages ago when it came out, and it was cool. incredible. You did such a good job. Well, so in it, I go through through many of his books, and and I give far more de- greater detail than I'm giving now. But you know, I also go through the angles of mm-hmm. of his of his his vocation. You know, he was mm. called to be so many different things mm-hmm. and he was, he had give, been given so much talent, but one of the, one of, one of his, one of the hats that he wore was the prophetic hat mm. of, you know, literally a, like the Holy spirit a, speaking through him into society and really calling society as the prophets of old did to repent, mm. but yeah, wow. point, but, you can't call society to repent unless you tell them what to repent of, <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't, you can't, you know, the guys who are just standing on the street corner telling everybody to repent. It's like, okay, but tell me like, what exactly is the problem here? You know, and, and yeah. Chesterton, Chesterton could pinpoint the problem mm. and yeah. say, as he just said, you know, uh, thing, thing, things are decaying in our society at such a mm. rapid rate. And he could point to those those things that were decaying. Here's a here's another prophetic quote. Um, he said, "We shall soon be in a world in which a man may be howled down for saying mm. that two and two make four, in which people <laughs> will persecute the heresy of calling a triangle a three sided figure and hang mm. a man for maddening a mob with the news that grass is green." Crazy. So it's like. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's no more prophetic quote than that, I think. Yeah. 2020, anyone? 2021, yeah, exactly. anyone? You know, it's like, this is the world we now live in. Crazy. Uh, we're two and two, you know, yeah, we're being howled down. We're being canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, we are being fired. We are being, uh, you know, uh, cast into outer darkness for saying that mm -hmm. two and two make four and being persecuted for the heresy of calling a triangle a three-sided figure. It's Crazy. just, yeah, it's it, we, we live in this completely topsy-turvy world and he just prophesies it into being. Mm. Um, so... So yeah, and he has so many quotes about Christianity. I, I I'll, I'll say this: my favorite quote that he has on Christianity is um, this one here, and he says, "The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting; mm. it has been found difficult and left mm. untried." Untried, yeah. Well, I mean, if I if I got a tattoo, a ta a, a tattoo, as you say, <laughs> a tattoo, <laughs> tattoo. Um, on on we my body. We could switch accents for the rest of the podcast if you want. Oh, uh, you want to do that, mate? Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll be American and you can be an Aussie. Ah, <laughs> uh, mate. Oh, mate. You don't want to do that, mate. Because then uh, I might get I might go in the kitchen and get some Vegemite and start eating it on the podcast. You know, because yeah. uh, you know it's really good, eh? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the Christian ideal has not been tri tried and found wanting, but found difficult and left untried. I mean, mm. what what a profound statement of uh, about our faith. Like, yeah, totally. We, it's it's so true that that cr Christianity is difficult. It's difficult, mm. and it's not that we've we've actually reached this this apex of Christianity and 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 decided. Oh yeah, this is garbage. It's that we we have tried uh, we've we've tried and found it difficult and found it mm. to be challenging to us. It challenge it challenges us to change, and we yeah. just don't want to change. We don't want to we don't want to give things up that we were that mm. that cost us something. Yeah, to to, that, to make it you that's know work. surrendering to the lordship of Christ. Hey, exactly, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Um. You know, he and then and then, you know, he will he will go and uh, talk about things that are, you know, like he'll 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 say drink because you are happy, but never because <laughs> no, you are because miserable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like he'll he'll go and say wonderful things about practical things in life. You know, yeah. he has an, he has another quote about if anybody wants to understand why beer was invented, all they need to do is in you know walk down an English road during the middle of the summer for about a mile. And there's your answer, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, so he'll, he'll, he'll say certain things like, uh, I'm a vegetarian between meals, you know, um, <laughs> you know, so he, he does say things that are just hilarious too. Yeah. They're not, they're not, it's not always dour or, um, mm. or, you know, serious something that's and... yeah, serious mm. and, and, and causing us to be depressed about our civilization, or this, this state of <laughs> yeah. depravity and degeneracy within it. But he's really um, Chesterton wrote with hope. Chesterton mm -hmm. was 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 writing um, uh, for the purpose of of of, of righting wrongs, but mm -hmm. but for the purpose of making things right. Chesterton yeah. Chesterton was a romantic, mm -hmm. and 
in 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 the way he described romance was based not based on sentimentalism or, or just kind of you know good vibrations and fuzzy fuzzy feelings, but Chesterton regarded romance as something that was that was connected to the medieval sense of romance, which was a a, a sense mm. of duty, a sense yeah. of 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 honor to 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 fulfill a quest, mm. um, and to and to face insurmountable odds in fulfilling that quest, but to give yourself to it wholly and completely to the bitter end. And mm. in that sense, it's like this, this is where we get the fairy tales of St. George and the dragon, you know, mm. that St. George has, has a, it's, it's a sense of duty as a knight to slay the dragon and, and win the princess. And mm. he's facing the insurmountable odds of, of, you know, dealing with this dragon, but he, 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 he faces it, he faces it down and he deals with the dragon. Mm. And that is that, that for Chesterton was true romance. That for Chesterton was the meaning of romance where romance and realism collide and, Mm. and, and romance is proven by its engagement with reality. And then it, it turns out that the, the real thing is romance the real thing is the happy ending and the happy ending we know is in Christ. Mm. We know that, yeah. that, that because Christ conquered death mm. and, and, and became the victor over all creation, we know that, that the happy ending, the, the fairy tales are actually true. Yeah. Christ, well. Christ is the fulfillment of the mm. fairy tale. Yeah. And and really the ultimate example of the fairy tale, and and that that was because Christ was the the Saint George who slew the dragon of yeah, death and the on. devil, mm. and and in that sense won his bride, the church. Mm. And so what we see is we, Chesterton gives us he 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 actually gives meaning to all of these things that we've taken for granted, and yeah. he he's really an apologist and a a Christian apologist, but a writer that gives us hope um, Mm -hmm. for the world that we live in. And it's not through avoiding the world that we live in that, that he gives us hope, but, but it's, he, he gives us hope by engaging the world Mm -hmm. we live in and by by showing us that romance is, is possible, that we Mm -hmm. can have a fairy tale take Mm -hmm. place in our lives, in society. Even we can see the kingdom of God, yeah, transform yeah. the world around Amen. us as yeah. it did, as it did in mm. the early church that so turned the the, 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 early church turned the world upside down mm. and what, and we can see that take place. We can see Christianity do that uh, uh, when we actually um, give ourselves over to the, the ideals of our faith that mm. Chesterton defended. So, so good. Yeah. That's awesome, Gabe. All right, we'll finish up with a few um, fun facts about Chesterton. If anyone knows fun facts about Chesterton, I'm sure it's you. So <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about Chesterton? Yeah, I mean, fun facts. Um, he was, you know, um, he, he, I, I think Chesterton, uh, there's a story about him when he was celebrating his 50th birthday that he um, jumped into a river or jumped into a lake uh, with his, <laughs> like he jumped into a lake uh, with, with his tuxedo on. 
and he just swam. He just swam around the lake with his tuxedo yeah. on. Um, so that's 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 something that I would probably never do. Yeah. Uh, but you also have to realize that you know it's it's English it's English culture, it right? So it's very yeah. it would it be would, freezing. It's very prim. Yeah, it's it's freezing water. It's very prim and proper culture. So you know it would. Be- difficult to swim in a tuxedo I, I imagine I've never worn a tuxedo but I yeah. imagine if that's wet yeah and you're 300 pounds it. you know <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked that he lived yeah. um so there's there's there, there's little stories like um he was n- notoriously absent-minded mm-hmm. and he once was supposed to be at a debate and uh, he was, or or it was either a debate or he was supposed to be giving a lecture on something somewhere, and mm-hmm. he took the wrong train because he was <laughs> he was he was absent minded, and mm-hmm. so he was just like you know uh, he was thinking probably deeply about something, and he was just he he took the wrong train and he ended up you know in the English countryside somewhere, and he called his wife. And he's like, okay, I'm at Paddington Station or something like that. Where ought I to be? <laughs> you know, so he's like, he's like asking his wife where he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, you know, there's another there's another story where he was um, he was on a on a, a tram and uh, it was during World War One, and uh, <laughs> this lady's like, you know, sir, why are you not? you know, fighting the war uh, uh, out out at the front. And he goes, ma'am, he replied, if you come around, you'll see that I am out at the front. <laughs> you know, it's like, because he's pointing to his massive, you know, belly. Because he was massive. He was six foot five and, you know, 350 yeah, pounds or whatever. Wow. Yeah, he was, he was a huge man. Uh, actually, I think he had that in common with Lewis. They were both, I think they were both around the same height. They were both were they? very large men. Yes. Wow. C.S. C.S. Lewis, I believe was, was yeah, like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so little little stories like that. Gosh, I'm, I'm uh, drawing a blank on, on other ones. I don't know why. Um, I think the but, swimming, the swimming in the tuxedo one. Did that take the cake? Was yeah. that a good one? Yeah, yeah. out yeah. of the ballpark. He, that was great. Yeah, he was. He was also a joker, a jokester, and a prankster. Um, and I'm trying to remember things that he would do, but he he was just yeah. He was he was a fun guy to hang out with. He was a, he was a yeah. good hang, as they say. So. so. Good. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for being part of our podcast today. Is there anything else you want to tell us about G.K. Chesterton before we go? Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, if you're intimidated about reading Chesterton, um, don't be just uh, if you don't know where to start, I would say just start. Um, That's great. And uh, there is a book called uh, In Defense of Sanity, and it is a curated collection of, of his best essays selected by some, some of the top Chesterton scholars of our, of our age. And uh, so, in, as I said, In Defense of Sanity, it's a great way to, to kind of break into Chesterton's works. I said uh, orthodoxy mm-hmm. earlier, um, but yeah, just read, start reading him he, mm-hmm. and you will be delighted. You will be, yeah. o- honestly, when I started reading Chesterton, I, I really fell in love with reading for the first time. Yeah, wow. Most of the books that I had read up until that point were, were 
I just found them to be poor writing. I, I found mm. them to be poor writing and 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 worse thinking. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just I, I really honestly was just struck with the beauty of his prose. Yeah, and so if you want to appreciate writing just for the mm -hmm. sake of writing, read Chesterton, but mm -hmm. also know that that beauty is going to lead you to truth. And that's yeah. the wonder th wonderful thing about him. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would, I would encourage everyone to uh, engage. And there's something awesome. for everyone. If you like novels, he's written novels. Mm -hmm. If you like poems, he's written poems. If you like songs, he's written songs, you know. So. Has he written songs? I didn't know that. He did. He wrote a hymn. Wow. He wrote a hymn. I think his wife gosh, wrote a hymn, didn't she? Did she? She wrote something like that. I think she may have written a hymn as well. Christmas yeah. hymn or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's and yeah. he and it, I would say he he also uh, he also his writing at Christmas time is wonderful too. He loves <laughs> yeah. writing writing for Christmas. So Beautiful. yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Gabe, thank you so much. You are a genius. Thank you for teaching us about Chesterton today. Um, and thank you everyone for watching the Eagle and Child podcast or listening. We'll see you later. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.